Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art. But I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm to table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see as the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Charlie Peters and you're listening to The Truth in This Art with host Rob Lee. Hey, welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, the Rob Lee, El Gordo Frito, I don't know. Uh, today, uh, I, <laughs> I'm privileged to be in conversation with the Baltimore-based photographer and the founder of Studio 87, which is a photo studio, art gallery, and multi-use space with a mission to create and serve infinitely. Please welcome Willis Ibar. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank you. I, I hope the whole uh, Gordo Frito thing doesn't catch on because then <laughs> if random people in the streets are calling me Gordo Frito, I'm like, all right, man, that's just over. Uh, I've, I've, I've burnt this market. I got to go elsewhere. <laughs> that could be my nickname too, man. I'll take it because we, we eat Gordo Frito all the time. So <laughs> <know>. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, so, so as we get started, um, I want to start off like very, very like introductory um, it, it's a way to kind of get, get folks comfortable. Um, so, What's the Willis Ibar story? And ultimately, how'd you get into photography, running like 9,000 businesses, as I think you were saying earlier? I think that was the number. Maybe, maybe 8999, I'm not sure. But tell me about that. What's the, what's the, uh, the, the, the story? And ultimately, how'd you get into photography and ultimately, like, in business? For sure. Um, I think it all, it all starts. I'm from originally from Bedstock, Brooklyn, New York. And um, I lived there until I was around 20 years old or so. And I remember seeing a photo about a year ago. Somebody took a photo of me taking a photo with a flip phone. <laughs> and that photo was dating back into like 2003. And when I saw it, I was already, you know, in business and already serving clients and doing photography work. And it made me realize like, oh, wow, this is where it all, like, I didn't start right there, but 
it all started with uh, the passion to document. Um, So I was documenting life before I knew what photography even was, before I knew that there was an industry, before I knew what any of these settings were or anything like that. So I've been documenting for a very long time. And um, I moved to Baltimore in Christmas Eve 2008. So, (laughs) and I I will never forget it. It's, it's It's such a prime moment because the day I moved here, I was fine. I was perfect. My dad drove in his Lincoln town car. He was already living in Baltimore. Yeah. Drove all the way to the projects in Brooklyn. We packed all our stuff up, put it in the car, drove all the way back. I was fine. I was, it, was a, it was a decent day. I had already decided, all right, that's it. I'm leaving New York for good. It is what it is. Got to Baltimore and I purged. Like my whole body purged. Like <sighs> the whole nine. And the next day I woke up and I was fine. It was, it was the weirdest thing ever, but I will never forget it for that. Like my body was just like, Hey, new beginnings. Welcome. Um, and, uh, long story short, I, I, I met, uh, I have a lot of family here. So, uh, family introduced me to more people. Mm-hmm. And as I started getting intro, uh, introduced to more folks, uh, I got in contact with some people that, uh, had a photo, um, had a recording studio. Yeah. Uh, the recording studio was on the second floor of a barbershop. In, on Eastern Avenue in Highland Town. And um, I was already doing music. I'm from, it's like the average thing. Like if you're in New York, like you're either, either spinning bars or you're... Or you're, you're making beats. <laughs> you're making beats. So you're playing basketball, you know what I mean? So uh, I, I definitely followed that route. And uh, I love I love hip hop and I'm a part of the culture uh, forever. So uh, I was making music. I connected with folks here. Um, they introduced me to the, the owner of the barbershop who also owned a recording studio. And um, I was in there so much, I eventually became a barber as well. But then I was like also around creative folks that, that were making music and things like that. Uh, so for some reason, I don't remember the exact reason why, but I ended up buying my first camera yeah. during this time. And I was also to like document the stuff that was going on in the shop and upstairs in the studio. Um, and then eventually I ended up uh, finally getting a, a real DSLR later down the line. And um, I started dibbling and dabbling. I didn't know what I was doing still. I just still didn't understand. And um uh, later down the line was when I really, you know, started to to get into the business side of things. But that's that's a, the short of it. No, thank you, thank you. Um, let's see, was it hand talk? <laughs> 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 I don't know why I thought hey, it was man, that. Don't tell me, no, Rob, Don't tell me I cut your hair back in the day, man. <laughs> you you may have like I, like I, me and my brother. We would go there. We had the unfortunate hairlines as we talk about. And I was like, yo, it's either Dominicans or Puerto Ricans that's cutting my hair. That's just what it is at this point. And I was like, they're, they're the best with razors. That's just what that is. And <laughs> my brother was like, you're not wrong. So that's yeah. where we were going. And um, I'll just put it this way. I enjoy baseball and I know that Orioles players are going in to get their hair cut. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it's, funny. thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think being around in, 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 in multiple scenes, like you have, those those kind of like those scenes that kind of come together, you know, the hip hop scene kind of comes together in the barbershop. You have those conversations and obviously people want to look good because they wouldn't be in a barbershop otherwise. And I think you maybe pick up certain things just being in there in that environment. And it's a way to get to, to kind of understand what's going on, like in a new scene or what have you. You move into a new town. You're like, all right, what's going yes. on? Who's doing what? <laughs> and I didn't know it. And I didn't. I. I mean, like back in the days, I used to go to the barbershop, but we lived in the project, so we weren't, we didn't have money. I used to cut my own hair. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of barbershop experience till I got to Baltimore. I also didn't have a lot of Dominican experience. And I was born in the Dominican Republic. I'm a naturalized citizen, but 
my family's Dominican, sure. My immediate family, my whole family, right? But I didn't really be around Dominicans, Dominicans until I got to Baltimore, which is funny because, uh, <laughs> which is funny because in, in Baltimore, I mean, like I didn't know there was such a huge Dominican community here, but there is. Um, and in New York, all my friends are black. I had one, my best friend was uh, a Puerto Rican and I had maybe a few Dominican folks outside of family that I was interacting with, but none of my circle was Hispanic. So yeah. <laughs> I come here and then I just get that dove into like this, this very deep uh, culture rich Dominican community. And I didn't know, it just hit me like a wrecking ball. I was just like, whoa, I didn't even understand the language, the lingo. <laughs> I had to, but you're right. Yeah. Being in the barbershop, I got I was cutting Orioles players' hair and I didn't I didn't I don't I don't watch TV. So for me, like I didn't know who Alex Jones was. Yeah. And until I got a fifty dollar tip, and I'm just like, Whoa, who's this person? And it, <laughs> do you know who you just cut? It was I was like, Oh nah, I had no clue. So <laughs> Yeah. Um it was this uh it was this guy I was really cool with, dude named Oscar. Um he was he was my barber for a while, Dominican dude or what have you, and I just remember going to a spot and I was just being embedded into like just just culture that wasn't mine. And so I was like, yo, thank you for the invitation. He, I remember one time and again, razors. Right. I remember one time he pulled out the wild mama Juana and he was like, yo, we drinking this. <laughs> and I just knocked it back. He's like, yo, we slow sippers here. I was like, I'm glad you are because you got a razor, my guy. Like, let's just <laughs> I was like, we're, we're good here. But I think that's where that cultural exchange is at. And to bring it to like the podcasting front, right? Um, I ended up connecting with one of his friends who was a Bruja. And we ended up doing an interview in the back. We, I was doing this um, podcast about relationships at the time. And she wanted to talk about the magic in like relationships. And we did that mm. in the back of the barbershop because they were doing multiple things. They had like this barbershop section in the front. And then towards the back, they had a place for like music. And um, his, his wife, who's the co-owner, she was also like um, um, a physical therapist. So you had a lot of different things. It was a huge space. And they made the most out of it. Yes. It was the hustle, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I want to talk yeah. about I want to talk about this. Uh, so for you, like you, you mentioned coming from from New York and you mentioned coming down here and some of some of that kind of introductory work. Tell me about a life experience to kind of shape your creative sensibility. Like, you know, some people, they try to find a way to do more with less. And that may come from like, I'm from the projects as well. It might come from like being there or having a certain work ethic might come from, you know, I just want to keep my ass off the streets or whatever the thing is. I don't want to fall into these, these, these traps. So tell me about like maybe a life experience to help shape your creative sensibilities. I think my, my hard work comes from my dad. I have three younger brothers. So it's four boys. And I don't know how my parents did it, but they did. And they did a great job. But my dad was the sole provider. Yeah. Took care of my mom, took care of uh, uh, all my brothers and myself. And he was he was uh, out before we woke up. And by the time he got in, it was he had to go to bed. And, you know, we were already in bed. So that's the type of, of uh, work ethic that I was. That was a foundation, regardless if I knew it at the time or not, that that software was was already being uploaded. Um, so the, the work ethic, I think, is is what I carry on to this day um, on, on that side of things. Now, on the create on the creative side, um, I don't know where that came from because my parents aren't creative and now nobody in my family was artists of any kind. But I think uh, growing up in, in the melting pot, right, in, in New York and, and having 
um, you know, all these experiences around me at all times and, uh, you know, all this culture. And I think some of that kind of uh, was installed in through the process. And then I was, I don't, I don't know how I merged all of that, but I will say that uh, I've been a seeker. I was like a natural, natural born seeker. I've always seeking and always uh, an extremely curious person. And I want to go learn X, Y, Z about whatever. Um, started with graffiti, got arrested for graffiti, uh, did, um, you know, uh, my work was always on the bulletin boards in elementary school when it came to art. Um, I was just always very creative and I just loved just creating, period, whether it was with music, with the paintbrush, uh, with the marker, right? Uh, when, when And then eventually, for some reason, uh, the camera became that that thing for me where um, I can always, I always have like three cameras on me at all times, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> always got that thing on me. <laughs> <laughs> always got it on me, man. This one right here. This, this camera's everywhere. Oh, so, yeah. um, and I love documenting. And I think uh, that, that then evolved into... Um, you know, getting into the wedding industry and, and documenting folks' most important days of their lives and taking that extremely serious and trying to produce the best product possible for them. And um, and until now, we've been a part of some hundreds of families' lives, you know, throughout yeah. the years. So um, it's, it's been a very beautiful thing. But no, I don't have any specific, um, you know, pinpoint of, of anything that changed anything for me. But um, I think just the curiosity uh, drove, drove everything to, to where it's at today. Yeah. I, I think there is some similarities there with, with myself, like just kind of, you know, I, I like capturing stuff. I, I tell a story on occasion of just being a jerk in high school, having the, the, the little click mic joined the little click recorder. And, uh, I was speaking in a third person, like I was the rock, don't judge it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, so the Rob is here with, that's literally what I was saying. And the Rob. In, in interviewing people like, hey, you know, how was this year? How was this first year in high school? And I was in a, you know, pretty, you know, high, high achieving high school. And, you know, a lot of people didn't make it out in terms of didn't have the grades. So being able to kind of document it and not knowing at that time that this was, mm. you know, me kind of doing this proto podcast thing and not sure how I got a recorder. You know, it was just it just happened to be around. Um, I, I will say that you know, my parents aren't artists or creative in that way, I suppose. But when it came down to trying to foster that for me, they, they always were supportive in that. Not sure what you're doing, but I can buy you some color pencils. I can buy you an art book um, and things of that nature. When it comes to doing the podcast stuff, which I've been doing almost 14 years, people are not sure what the hell they're getting. It's like, is this mic good? Are these cables good? I'm like, no, nah, just just give me that Amazon gift card or what have you or a sweet water joint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like that's where I'm at. That's the thing that drives it. But, you know, it's also, again, what you were touching on where – having multiple interests and also like what is the through line between those like i went from drawing and, and, and doodling to uh writing short stories uh fiction and getting something off of that and eventually that led to me writing rhymes we'll talk about that at a different time uh, <laughs> and uh yeah it's, it was something and um it then kind of eventually in the background what was the through line I, 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 this, this desire to be heard, this desire to want to get down to the nooks and crannies to get into the weeds about a particular thing. And this happens to be the subject matter at, at this point. Um, for a while in the whole podcast lane, 
I was covering weird news stories that people often don't talk about. And I would try to elicit humor out of that. That was what the crux of that was. But ultimately, all of it was that curiosity and then that desire to share this sort of story that nobody's talking about this and be able to share that. And so so it brings me to this. I don't want to belabor it too much. So, you know, for the fine folks listening, could you describe how Studio 87 came about and, you know, some of the things that you really dig about being in photography? Of course. Uh, Studio 87, I, I tell folks it was a natural progression. Sure. I didn't have ideas of having a space or anything of the sort, but my friend Katie um, I capture photography. She's an amazing Baltimore photography uh, photographer and documentary filmmaker. She had opened a space and beautiful space, by the way. Then our friend uh, Amy and Jesus, they opened up a little photo studio as well. And I was watching them, visited their studios and experienced them. And it was like, you know, I love that. But I don't I couldn't see myself shooting five families to then pay the rent every month i just it, it just it wasn't gonna mix that way so lo and behold one day um um i'm sure you probably heard of earn your leisure mm-hmm. the the, the <laughs> yeah. podcast network and uh i listened to the earn your leisure guys and uh financial investments i mean during the pandemic that's when they really blew up and they were for the culture they were providing us all this information all these gems on how to invest our money and how to uh, buy these businesses or build businesses and I, I was already looking for the next thing like what else am i gonna do Mm-hmm. And having all the inspiration around, I saw this uh, this pop, this uh, YouTube uh, episode that they had, and it was about how to how to make a fortune with event spaces, and that's exactly the name of it. If anybody wants to go check it out, I saw this YouTube episode and I was fired up. I left the whole, I left, I left the tab open, as as probably all of us do. It's got a thousand tabs, but yeah. I left the tab open, and I was like, you know what? Like, I can't do this right now, but I'm gonna watch it again later. Literally two weeks later. I'm closing out tabs. I find a tab again. I watch the entire episode. I'm so fired up once again. I call a few people. I ask a few questions. Two weeks later, I had the LLC filed. And oh. about uh, uh, by this is in July of last year. And by September, I had the keys. So I say it was a natural progression because um, all the inspiration that I already had, all of that rolled into to, to getting this, this last straw of inspiration. And then that <laughs> then snowballed into what it is today. So it is it is a my photo studio and art gallery. And, and originally the purpose was to help promote uh, the, the artwork that we're already creating. I, I have a bunch of photographers in my network. Uh, we're always creating together and, and, and for other clients and businesses as well. But at the same time, uh, I needed I, I needed more income from this thing. I could I had this thing had to pay for itself right yeah. on the business level. Yeah. And uh, that's where the events space piece came in. Even as soon as I started uploading photos of it on the Internet, folks were just like, can I use my baby shower there? Can I can I do this there? Can I do that there? And then that just opened up the floodgates uh, for for everything else that has come since. And uh, since then, I've been embedded into the Dundalk community, uh, working with a lot of nonprofits in Dundalk, uh, family crisis centers in Dundalk, and uh, we've even had um, the Dundalk Elementary School uh, fifth grade class march down inside Studio eighty seven because they weren't able to do it at their school. So. Uh, that was a beautiful thing to see that the, the kids got their cap and gowns on and they, and they walked down and the teacher came out and the parents. And I mean, we, we, we made a little auditorium out of the space and it, it was beautiful. 
Um, but then, you know, being able to serve people in that way, um, you know, aside from just being a, a place of business, like was, was amazing. So uh, I tie all of that in with photography and being creative every day on our windows on the outside and shout out to Caroline. Uh, I have do what you love in big uh, letters. Uh, she painted, she did uh, have like a little mural outside of the space. Um, and I wanted to to let the Dundo community know that, but then also um, Baltimore as a whole, like, I got here and I've, I've accomplished this because I did what I love along the way. And I think that I think we'll all live more fulfilled and better lives if we did that, if we did follow what we love and did a little bit more of what we love and then add a little bit of business into it. And then, you know, here we are. So. Thank you. Thank you for putting that, putting that out there. I, I love that. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think. I think when you realize that you want to do something that you love and then there's that reminder, like I've mentioned this in the past, I have, you know, that little like fake marquee thing that people have that you put the letters in, you can swap them out. I I kept the same one up there uh, that leads into the studio. What is real? And it's kind of this reminder of if you do a bad interview, that's a bad interview. If you do a good interview, that's a good interview. It's not an indictment on you being good or bad. None of that's real. It's just what you're doing at that next moment. So don't really believe the hype and don't believe when you're at your lowest. And it reminds me that I'm doing this not for those things. I'm not doing this to do a good one or a bad one or whatever. I'm doing it because I love doing it. I enjoy doing it. I get something out of it. Uh, So, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Um, so I got two more real, no, three more real questions. And <laughs> so uh, let's see. Well, I think it's actually just two because I, I think I have a sense of it. But how do you how do you know when you're looking at an image? Just let's put this let's put this photography lens on this real quick, which may be a pun. Uh, how do you know when an image is good and an image is great or an image doesn't work? What are you looking for within it? And maybe that's a gauche question, but I, I think like, what are you looking for within an image to know if it's like really high quality? Not everyone, there's a lot of people with cameras can do good shots. Obviously no, you're not one of them. You're, you're, you're doing good ones. So, so tell me about that. Tell me about the, the quality. So. <laughs> um, like you said, I never let that get to my head because uh, you're, uh, Gary V says this all the time, but you're only as good as your next at bat. So, um, my next, my next client and, and how's, how happy they are after the session that they have fun, that they enjoy themselves. Are they thanking me profusely? Are they then uploading the photos to their accounts online and tagging and all that? You know what I mean? That, that to me is like, okay, that was a successful shoe. And when it doesn't happen, I don't let it get to me either, but you know, um, it's a, it's an interesting thing because it is subjective in sure. that way where um i could think the image is fire and then the client chooses to upload a whole different image as their profile picture it was part of this part of the session but the one i thought was like you know the shot they uploaded a whole different one um i think it's it's always going to be a mixture of lights and shadows and composition and uh subject matter right i think those things truly make up what what that image is at the end of the day what what stands out about it does it strike an emotion does it evoke an emotion in the person mm-hmm. um i i go by when i when i'm creating i go a lot by emotion it's not really the technical aspects of it any photographer can tell you that after some time the camera settings are something you don't even think about anymore and the cameras lately are so good that you can see exactly what the image is going to look like before you even snap away so it's not really that it's truly your eye at that point it's not really like the settings i mean sure we can get into lighting and and strobes and and modifiers and all that good stuff but 
um, at the core of it, like what it's truly you and your eye and what you see and what you believe is is interesting and, and how how do you document that piece? So I can't, I don't know. I have a lot of throwaways, obviously. Like mm-hmm. photographers have uh, so many throwaways. Uh, we only choose a very, very small sliver of the photos that we take to share with the world. Um, and I think that we, we have to be that selective and we are as artists that hard on our, we're our worst critics in that way. Um, but I, I, you know, it, again, it's subjective. I could say a photo's fire. Somebody else could say another photo's fire. And, you know, both of those might not be fired to the third person. So, yeah, I, I, I've had conversations in with curators, with artists. And, you know, we talk about this kind of like the technical stuff is in there. People know what they're doing from a technical standpoint, but what's the feelings attached to it? What What is it saying? What is it doing? What is it drawing out of a person? Like, I could have sat here and do a, did a very standard. So tell me about your business and tell me about your work. But there, there's nothing else in there. There's there's no personality in there. It's really technical. Here's the facts and let's move on. And it, it feels flat, you know, and there's a version of that sort of flatness in whatever person is doing. So it, it has to be done off of the things that they don't teach you. The, the things that, you know, technically you're not going to find out on YouTube.com. It has to come from the talent that's there. That's the thing that separates it. Um, you know, maybe the the choice, maybe the, the 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 lighting, maybe the, you know, it's just staying right there. I got it. I got it. And sometimes, like, I'm not always a person that takes direction. So in those instances where, because I've done a few photo shoots recently, I'm like, all right, d- it, does this make sense? Is this good? Yeah, trust me, bro. I got it. And it's like, I have to trust, the, you know, the person's eye. And right. But then when I see it afterwards, I was like, oh, that's fire. And he's like, that's not even a good one. And I'm like, okay, cool. I, I don't know. I don't know, bro. Like, whatever. <laughs> and it, it, just trusting in it. And and that's the thing. Like, I, I think when you're in this sort of creative client, creative to client relationship, you know, it's really like, look, trust me. I know what I'm doing. I'm good at this. And and I think, a, yeah. Yeah. It's a different ballgame when you're working for a client, though, because the work that I create personally and I create every day, I, I'm a daily practitioner. Sure. Um, I think there's a lot of photographers out there that only create when they have a client. And it's like, nah, I, it, I think there's two different types when you're talking about that. Like this, there's, there's a there's the person that only does it when somebody asks them to do it. And then there's the person that does it for free every day, no matter what, and then still creates for the client. I think that those are two different sets of eyes. Um, and, and I think for, for me, I, I have the other set of eyes. I literally, I, I don't know how many photos I shot today, but I shot several yeah. and, you know, uh, there's, there's that documentation piece that comes into play. Um, but yeah, for, for when, it, when you're working with the client, sometimes that, that love does, you have to diminish it. You have to work toward results. And I think that, uh, when you are getting into the business of photography and you actually want to make money or even a living from it, mm-hmm. then yeah, at that point you have to work toward results. When I'm working for an e-commerce brand, I'm working toward how can I make sure that these photos get this commerce brand more business yeah. period. I don't care about my artistic taste at that point. It's not even that it's about driving results or if I'm shooting a wedding, it's about how can these people love these photos 20 years from now i'm shooting into the future when i'm documenting these things you know so um you know at that point i have to step into the client's shoes uh and and to produce uh some of that work but i love it i love it no matter what so and i think that's what that's what keeps it going every day yeah and as a person that's gotten into the spot where now people want someone that's in that storytelling space which that's, that's where i'm living at at this juncture 
I, I, I kind of rally against that at times where it's just like articulate what you need. Do you need me as a person that's a avatar for you, which is different than you want me to host a thing? And because if you want me to host it, it, it and it's it's funny because some of the clients that I've worked with, it's like, can it be both? It's like those are those are different things. I wouldn't ask that question that you gave me to ask or. I can do some version of it, but it is, I think, rooted in it is is communication. It's it's big on communication because it's like you you want this person to they want you for a reason. But also it's like, I want you to interpret the thing that I want. It's like you can hire someone who's not as good at this then, or someone who's not doing it in this way. And you know, it's that type of conversation that goes into like the intake and how communication happens, but you know, doing it every day and being that, that person that's operating. And it's just like, look, I love doing this. If someone ever comes to me, it's like, when's the last time you put on a microphone and it's been like a while, that's an issue. I should be turning on this microphone, recording something. And the first words, <laughs> the first words I should, I say in a day shouldn't be me pre- talking to you. I should be on the mic earlier. I should be doing something else that I'm using <laughs> this checking levels, making sure I don't sound scummy. Um, so I got, I got one last question. Uh, before I get to these rapid fire ones. And I, I like hearing about, um, cause I think when we're, when we're out here, we're doing the hustle, we're, we're, we're learning, we're in this DIY space, which is really big here. Um, and you know, just working off a of passion and to a degree obsession, uh, you pick up complementary skills. So what sorts of complementary skills have you picked up outside of photography that actually help you with photography? And, um, what other talent would you most likely want to add to this toolkit of yours? I think customer service is so crucial. We have across uh, all of my businesses, we have a perfect five-star rating on multiple platforms on each. And I have to attest that to customer service to, to, and, and, you know, I, I it's tough, but we're involved. We're, we're in a city where like we're rugged, right. And we're <laughs> it's rugged in New York as well. And, you, you go to places and sometimes you don't get treated like how you would like to be treated or you don't get greeted or, you know, it, and it happens every day. Whether you're making a phone call, whether you're sending an email, whether you're sending a text, whether you're going in person. And I think that's everything. Um, so what I learned from my professional career is that uh, working in operations teams and managing a customer service team is is so crucial to to how you interact with every single customer, how consistent that interaction is. And, um, you know, how you make them feel throughout that process. So for me, customer service is above and beyond. I, I do unto others as you would like done unto you. That's that's the same level of service that, that I provide uh, day in and day out. And I think that's a complimentary service to all of the all of my businesses uh, across the board. Um, problem solving, I think, is incredibly crucial. Being able to solve problems on the fly. A photographer is an image maker. But a photographer, more than anything, is a problem solver because we're put into situations where we have to go and create no matter what the circumstances are. And ultimately, being a problem solver is what helps me do my job the right way and helps me serve my clients. So uh, problem solving. And um, uh, I think I would like to add to the toolkit. That was the last piece of the yeah. question, right? I I love writing, but I, I don't think I'm really good at it. But I would love to add uh, that piece of the storytelling into it, whether I would be writing screenplays or or scripts. 
uh, and uh, copywriting as well for sales and business. So, because uh, that's the whole other side of me. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm either talking about powerlifting, I'm either talking about photography, or I'm talking about business. Period. Those are the, those are my three main subjects. Like, so um, I, I love I love lifting heavy, but I love I love uh, being able to communicate uh, properly and and especially with words. I work with a lot of other businesses and clients, helping them make sales and helping them. Uh, build their websites and, and get their landing pages correctly and all that good stuff. So uh, copywriting is, is at the top of the list and I'm constantly working on that. Like, yeah. you know, so um, yeah, I think that's, that would be one I would add to the list. Powerlifting. Huh? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I got to get I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. You got to get into it. Come I, come with me, man. Come, I, come with golds and dumbbells. I'm just all arms and legs. My guy It's just like, I'm six, four, man. Like, <laughs> It's, it's sometimes I see these dudes, these little five eight dudes, like oh, just grunting their way through life, and I'm like, look, uh, less. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's like that's me. That's sometimes, me. I, sometimes I get bored with lifting, but then at the same time, it's like, all right, I found, I just got into dips recently, so I'm like, okay, this is great. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it, I might have to take you up on that. Um, and also, thank you for for sharing that those those kind of complementary skills because I think you know it's it's something that's more robust and having like the photography there because you'll have people who have great writing but no great visuals to accompany it. And I think that for maybe the type of writing, it can be like I can start off with blogs, and then now you have like really dope imagery to go along with it, and they're complementary. And then it's like, oh yes. well, let me do the screenplay. And then suddenly, mm, I'll be the DP for this. I know, I know, I know what pictures we're needing. I know I'm using my eye here. And then suddenly, you're a director, and it's like, oh, humble beginnings. And now look where you're at. <laughs> I can see it yes, now. Sir. And a year from now, it's just like, oh, Willis Ivar, director. It's like, shit, what do we got? <laughs> I right. love that, man. Yes, sir. So. I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions. I've been, you know, while I've been looking down, like I always tell people, like I'm paying attention, but I am also like a- I'm, uh, editing as I go along. So I got more questions to ask you in the rapid fire portion here. Okay, let's go. So, and, and, and keep this in mind where, you know, we, we don't want to get too lost in the weeds here. You know, whatever comes to mind, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. All right. What is... Sh- your most useful photographic mantra like you know when you're going into it what is on your mind and how you're approaching like doing a doing a shoot i guess i'm gonna attest this to the most high pressure field days which are weddings um you only got one shot to get it right I dig it. that's it and that's what i tell my team and we have a huddle right before going in only got one shot to get it right you got to be there we got to be here boom boom it's like military style <laughs> <laughs> when we're going in there, it's, it's uh, uh, definitely orchestrated to that degree. What is your current phone background? My son. It's my son. It's Mr. Elliot Abar. Uh, and I can't see him right there, but he's in the <laughs> pool. Nice. He's just in the pool with his goggles on right there. Yes, sir. I love it. Uh you're 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 an accomplished uh, person. You're 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 self-made in this regard, and you're you know doing a lot in a short period of time. So big shout out to you. Right now, absolutely. Right now, what would you say your biggest accomplishment is? What are you most proud of? Being able to balance it all mm. and perseverance. Okay. Because it gets, man, there's some days where you just like, yeah. 
<laughs> it's a lot. And the people tell me all the time, Willis, why you take on so much? Why are you why are you doing so much? Why don't you niche down? XYZ. But this is this is my purpose. This is why I was put here. I'm a creative and I'm a seeker and I'm curious. I'm gonna go chase and discover and 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 explore as much as I possibly can. Um, I recently got into film photography about a year ago. So now I have like seven film cameras too. So I'm also exploring medium format, 35 millimeter. And I'm just, you know, creating in, in different ways. Um, I recently got into search engine optimization and Studio 87 is showing up on page one on Google for over 64 keywords. So the technical side of that, like, I I don't know. I just love, I just love diving into, into things and, um, and, and, and uh, uh, exploring and, and diversifying my knowledge base and persevering because it's not easy. Like you take this route, you got to be prepared to come with everything that comes with it. And uh, and it's, it gets really difficult sometimes, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So um, once you go, once you go entrepreneur, you don't go back. That's wise. I love it. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Now it, it, it might be a few. It might okay. This these next two are going to be interesting. Uh, hmm. Do you want the more ridiculous one first, or do you want the? Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> going back to your hair good day. Going back to your hair cutting days. Beijing or no? <laughs> I would say no. I would say no. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's is a hot take. And there's some folks look. I don't look. I I shave ball. I shave everything off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just say this to not not to yourself, but to to all the men out there. Look, this is at some point that arrives that we have to accept it. And I think that we have to accept it. Sometimes we should accept it way earlier. <laughs> Yo, that's hilarious. Oh my I, God. Go to the, I, I go to the barbershop still because I support all of my barber friends and there's about five barbershops that I frequent just to say hello and, yeah. and, and touch base with my guys but I still take my son I know how to cut hair I've done it for six years I still take my son into the barbershop I want him to have that experience mm-hmm. um but yeah I think guys we should we should accept it we should accept it earlier than, than <laughs> I, I remember when I when I first did it, I was I was going there, and it, this is just me being lazy at this point because I was trying to get my beard back, and my my man's made fun of me. Um, I, I came from it was some like uh some some Hispanic like festival that was in like 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 uh Highland Town, and my man pulled up on me. He was like he scooped me up, and he was like, "You're bald with this mustache." He was like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, where were you? <laughs> what caricature were you? Because it was very thick mustache." I'm trying to just even things out, and then I. I would just shave, shave my head again. Um, but I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I just let it grow for the most of the time because my barber had moved to, um, my, so my <laughs> Dominican barber moved to like New Mexico and then just went off the map. So I didn't have a barber, which is a crisis, right? And yeah. <laughs> I let it grow for a while and my hair is thin. So it started slicking back naturally. And my girl was like, what is this like Lester Holt thing that you're doing? I was like, <laughs> yo. She was like, I mean, I like it. She was like, but also, she's like, Lester Hole with the Cooper Varsh. What, what are you going for? What, 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 what's the aesthetic? And I was like, look, it's life. It's life is the aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the last question I got for you. Yeah. Um, and this, this is the first time this question has been in here, but I think it could be interesting. Um, maybe, you know, as a photographer, you may have a different take on it. Do you believe in ghosts? I think so. Look, the, the 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 government is coming out with all these UFO files and everything's public now. Oh, 
they, I believe they've been real before they said they were real. And like, yeah, I believe, I believe that there's so much out there that um, there's dimensions and, um, you know, we, we could get into psychedelics if you want, but it's a whole, like, I believe, yeah, I believe there's a lot out there. So I, I definitely believe in those. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, as I, I, I mentioned the photography angle to it because I've I've heard stories of people saying, oh, I see a ghost in the background of this picture. And I was just like, has there been an instance, my guy? Because, you know, it's <laughs> it's a thing. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's something about like when you have cities that are very old, it's in and things that have happened in said cities is hard to just dismiss that mm, at least energy. Let's just go with that. Not even ghosts. Let's just energy. say energy. Because Energy. it's never created or destroyed, destroyed. It's just transferred. So I don't know. Just, yes, just putting it out there. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't. That hasn't. I haven't had an instance where that happened with me. But um, you know, there's just been instances where you, you you take photos of folks and they're no longer here. And in a way, if you think about it, it's like you, you have captured that person. But is it? I don't know. Is it real? Is it not? Like they're still here, but they're in this photo. I don't know. So. Um, if we want to get, we can get twisted. <laughs> that see, way. I, I feel like there's going to be a different podcast that comes out. <laughs> Ghost <laughs> stories, photography edition. Uh, so one, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. This has been a treat. And two, thank I want to, absolutely. Two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, where to visit uh, studio 87, all of the good stuff, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Appreciate it. Uh, everybody, m the best place to reach me where right now I'm very heavy on Twitter. I almost exclusively stop using Instagram. However, at Willis Abar on everything and um, Baltimore Studio 87 is where uh, you can find a studio. The studio is located in Dundalk. We're open seven days a week. Uh, we are by appointment only. We're available for art galleries. Uh, that's that's uh, those type of events that we love the most. We want to support the artist community. So we're constantly, we had a, a young lady do a very, very interesting art exhibit uh, in the space very recently. Um, that was uh, pretty, uh, pretty interesting and eye-opening, the stuff that she came up with and the things that she did. Uh, we've had art galleries in the space, of course, always uh, do photo shoots and productions and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we're open uh, to collaboration as well. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Willis Abar for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying there's art, photography, community in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Mm -hmm.